things to do is just to say, if you're coming down to our house, please, parking's quite difficult down there, so if you can car share when you come down, that will make life a, a bit easier. So if you've got a few empty seats and you can take somebody down, that would be really helpful because parking's a bit tight for us down there. As Do said, yesterday was a great day in the streets. I mean, it really was encouraging, not because it was probably one of the busier days, although it was one of the busier days. We had, we had three... In encampments of Jehovah's Witnesses round about us. It was quite remarkable. Um, they don't speak to anybody. I, I never saw one of them engage in conversation or even give out a piece of literature yesterday. It was amazing. I had a phone call at nine o'clock this morning from a man that the doozy spoke to who's intending to come to the meeting, a man called Stephen. And when we went for coffee afterwards, there was a girl sitting opposite us, a girl called Chelsea, that we had met on the street some, I think, about three months ago. She'd come to the meeting, and there she was, just sitting there, and, and Pam had a lovely chat with her, and she's hoping to come back again. It, it just was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to make contact with local people. So we're going to be reading in First Corinthians 10 now, folks, if we can. We're doing a kind of whistle-stop tour through the book of First Corinthians. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I've been reading my Bible a long time, and the more I read, the more I realise how little I actually know. And when we go through it systematically like this, it encourages me, or even forces me, to study passages that I wouldn't normally study, and even preach in passages that I wouldn't normally study. And this is one of them in particular. You know that First Corinthians, Paul's writing to address specific issues. It's recording. It's recording. Sometimes some reports had come back to him and said there's a problem in Corinth and he writes to correct that problem. But these, this one we've got is a question that was asked him. Somebody wrote to him and says, Paul, what about... And the question he's answering starts in chapter 8 and verse 1 when he says, now as touching things offered to idols. And we're finishing off that section where Paul's answering the question, what do we do if we are asked to eat food that's been offered to idols? What do we do? And we discover that one Christian thinks one thing and another Christian thinks another thing and there's a kinda there's a kind of grey area, if you you know what I mean, in Christian life. And there are grey areas in our Christian life, isn't there? There's things very clear from the Bible that we must do, things from the Bible that we mustn't do but then in everyday life, we face situations when you have to start to think, well, is it right for a Christian to do this? Or is it not right for a Christian to do this? And it becomes a kind of grey area. And if you talk to another Christian, they have a different opinion to another Christian. And how do we decide what to do in the kind of grey areas of our Christian life? Now, there are some Christians that don't think there are such things as grey areas. They just think that what they think is the rule for everybody. And that they impose that on people. And that's called legalism when you, when you step over the line of what the scripture says and try and impose on people restrictions or, or rules that are not according to the word of God, that are more personal preferences. But we'll talk about that as we go. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 23. And we're going to read to verse number 1 of chapter number 11. And as I've thought and as I've prayed about this passage, this passage contains for me the single most important verse about our Christian life. 
I really believe that. Matter of fact, First Corinthians contains two verses that I think are probably the most important verses to guide us in our, our practical Christian life. So as I read it, see if you can spot the verse. I'll, I'll explain which one it is. So, verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. That means all things are legitimate for me as a Christian. As a Christian, I can do anything I like. That's really what he, the person's saying. And Paul's saying, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's welfare. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles. Now, (laughs) shambles means um, the marketplace. Have you ever been to York? If you go to York, there's a place called the Shambles, isn't there? And it's a street that's full of small shops that sell all kind of strange knickknacks. The Shambles here just means the, the kind of flea market of the town. If you, go down to, if you go down to the quayside this morning, you'll see a bit of a flea market, although maybe the people down there would kind of get upset if I called it a flea market. But you know what I mean? You can buy anything down there or Jesmond. So the Shambles is a place where people just buy and sell stuff. Just like they would do in Africa, for example, you know, or they would do down in, in the quayside. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat. So in other words, there was food stores in the shambles that were selling particularly food of unknown origin. Okay? So some of the food that was being sold in the shambles could have come from anywhere, really. Could have come from the country, could have come from a farm. It could even have come from the idol temple where the animal sacrifice was made and the food was sold on to somebody and then sold on to somebody and sold on to somebody and eventually ended up in the market to be sold to every person. So when you go to the shambles, ask that eat, asking no question for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you do be disposed to go, Whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. In other words, don't ask where did this meat come from? You know, was this, was this come from the, the kosher shop? Was it come from uh, the halal shop? Was it come from the idol temple? Don't ask any questions. If somebody says, come and eat, just eat. <laughs> just accept the food as it's given. Eat not for conscience sake, for... But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake. So if somebody invites you to a dinner and says, excuse me, I've got some food from the idol temple and I want you to eat it with me, then you can say, I'm sorry, I can't associate myself with idol sacrifices. So the same situation you can look at in two different ways. You you see the great areas of life sometimes that you come across. If nobody says anything, don't ask a question. Just eat it. But if somebody says, this is idols offered meat, don't eat it. Because now you know something you didn't know before. There's there's principles there. The Lord, verse 20. Conscience I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if by grace you be partaker, why am I evil spoken of? For that which I give thanks. Whether, therefore, ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. 
give no offence, neither to the Jew nor to the Gentile nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. And this is where the chapter division is not helpful. A lot of chapter divisions are, but this one's not. It should then read on straight on to be ye not followers of me, be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. He's saying, listen, I'm an example of this Christian liberty and I want you to follow my example, but only follow my example in the measure that I'm following Christ's example. So we'll conclude there with the reading of the word of God. I hope you spotted the verse that's been made a big impression on me this week. That for me is an umbrella verse that guides all my Christian life. It's actually verse number 31. And I'm going to start at the end and work back. I'm going to start with the conclusion and work back with the argument. Here's the verse that I believe is probably for me the most important guiding verse in my Christian life. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever ye do. That kind of covers pretty much every essential element of our life, doesn't it? Even down to the nitty gritty of eating and drinking. Here's what it says. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And that struck me like a train this week that God has saved me to be able in every department of my life to bring glory to him. That that is the very reason why we've been saved. Now, 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 there's other things that will happen. We won't go to hell. Our sins will be forgiven. We'll be brought into fellowship. We'll have access to God's presence. But the big umbrella is this. Now I can glorify God in everything I do. You see, that's where it all went wrong. Because everything was created for the glory of God. The enemy came in, tempted Eve and Adam to sin. And that's why Romans 6 says, all have sinned and fallen short of what? The glory of God. So when sin's in our life, we don't have the potential or the possibility to glorify God. But when God saves us, he takes us from that dominion of sin... And he puts us in a place where now our life can be lived for the glory of God in every single thing we do. And do you know what I learned from this verse? Priority. Whether you eat or you drink, do everything for the glory of God. You know what that's going to help me with? That's going to help me decide the priorities in my life, isn't it? It's going to help me look at everything I do and if I have a choice to do some things, I'm going to look at these, this choice I've got to do and I'm going to look at it and I'm saying, what is the best thing I can do to glorify God in this situation? What's the best way I can spend this day to glorify God? What's the best thing I can read to glorify God? It's going to help me decide my priorities in life. What am I going to do today that will bring glory to God rather than glory to me? And it's not a matter of saying there's no harm in it. 
There are certainly things that are neutral enough to be able to say there's no harm in them. But Paul's saying, don't live just your life saying, is there any harm in it? Live your life saying, I'm going to do this for the glory of God. I'm going to prioritise my life today to live for the glory of God. And he's going to say, when it comes to this whole 1 Corinthians 10 question about meat offered to idols and meat not offered to idols, what you decide, make sure you're deciding for the glory of God, not for your benefit or your convenience. That's what he's really saying. So that verse, because there's another verse in 1 Corinthians 6 that, that says, you know, you're not your own, therefore you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. So this is the second time he's kind of driving this point home. But it helps me not only with priority, it also helps me with value. You got this? Whether you eat or whether you drink, do all for the glory of God. Do you know what that's saying? That's saying you don't have to be involved in your Christian activities to be glorifying God. You can glorify God in your domestic activities. That whatever you do, even down to the, even down to the simplicity of sitting at a table with a knife and fork and eating, you can do that for the glory of God. You can wash dishes for the glory of God. You can do your work for the glory of God. Isn't, isn't that right? Isn't that what Paul gets in Ephesians when he talks about serving your masters? What does he say? Not as men pleasers, but as pleasing the Lord. So this says that not only can I prioritise everything in my life to live for the glory of God, but whatever I can do in my life, whether it's personally or in the family or in my job or in, in the assembly, I've got to do that and I've got to do that to glorify God. And it struck me like a train this week that that should be the one thing that I wake up in the morning and it should be my first thought Lord how can I glorify you today and as I'm doing things during the day and I face decisions Lord will this glorify you is there a way I can glorify you in doing this is this an activity that will glorify you or is this an activity that will dishonour you and then I got to thinking as we finish this chapter, this section with be ye not followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Who was the one perfect man that glorified God in everything he did? Hey, isn't that right? The Lord Jesus says in John 17, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work that thou hast given me to do. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying, listen, whatever you're aiming at today, make sure it's the glory of God. And whether you're meeting in church, it's for the glory of God. Whether you're eating a barbecue, it's for the glory of God. Whether you're washing the dishes, it's for the glory of God. Whether you're going to work, it's for the glory of God. Make that your first, your last, your only thought. Because the Lord Jesus is the perfect man, totally, utterly, perfectly glorified God. Now, we are not perfect. We know that. And we know there will be times when we'll make mistakes and we'll get our wrong priorities and we'll have wrong attitudes. But this is Paul saying, aim. Aim at the glory of God. At least at least make that your aim. At least make that your direction of travel. At least make that your priority. Make it the glory of God. And forgive me for starting at the end, but that really struck me today. Or this week. So let's go back and let's think again about this whole matter of Christian liberty. What as a Christian am I free to do? And what guides me in deciding what I'm free to do? 
the first verse says this, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Again, second time he's used this expression, all things are lawful for me, all things are legitimate for me. And it seems as though Christ, some Christians were using this as a kind of mantra in their life because they had learned that law-keeping is not the way to gain favour with God, Right? The Old Testament was all about keeping the law. You had to strive to keep the law. And if you broke the law, you, know, you had to do something to, to make restitution. But the gospel was this. Law keeping is not a requirement for salvation. So it's not a matter of trying hard and being good and, and doing all the right things. And in the end, you'll be saved. It's by grace you're saved through faith and that not of yourself is the gift of God. Law keeping has no part to play in our self justification before God, right? And so some Christians were saying, okay, if the law and doing the right thing has got nothing to do with my salvation, it means then I can do wrong and it doesn't matter. I can just abandon everything, everything's, everything's in now. I can do anything I want. And because I'm saved by grace through faith, it doesn't matter if I break the law. God's going to look at me by grace, by faith. All things are lawful for me. Do what I like. I've got no restrictions. I don't have to worry about the law. All things are lawful for me. I can do anything I like as a Christian. And people were using that as a kind of get out of jail free card for living a, Christ, a life that was ungodly. And you've heard that even in this day and age, haven't you? You know, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I can't lose my salvation. So it doesn't matter what I do. I can just behave any way I like. Paul says, listen, excuse me. While it's true that not all things are lawful in the sense that law-keeping is not a necessity for salvation, not all things are expedient. What does that mean? That means not all things benefit me. Not all things are profitable to me. And he's saying, look, a Christian life is not lived saying, I don't care, I'll do what I life like. A Christian life is lived by saying, what is for the glory of God and what's going to bring spiritual benefit into my life? Not, is there no harm in it? Is there any blessing in it? Is there any good in it? Maybe I could do it, but would it bring any blessing and spiritual profit into my life? And he's saying, listen, all things are lawful, but not all things are a blessing and a benefit to me. So he's looking at every part of his life, every activity he does. And he says, will that bring glory to God? Will that bring blessing to my life? And the next thing he does, will that bring glory to God? Will that bring blessing to my life? And he says, listen, all things are lawful, but not all things are a blessing, a help to me. Now, would that help you in your Christian life? Just to look at everything you do and say, look, I could do this as a Christian but is this going to be a blessing to me? Is this going to be a benefit to me? Is this going to glorify God for me? This is not lighting. This is not writing rules and regulations say Christians do, Christians don't, Christians do, Christians don't. This is looking at it and saying, is there glory for God and spiritual blessing for me in this activity? And if there is, that's the one for me. That's what, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. You see, it's all about, it's all about hunger and desire and direction in your Christian life. There are loads of Christians that say, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and that's it. That's all I'm interested in. I'll just go out there and I'll just live the way I've always lived or the way everybody else lives. And Paul said, no, no, you've got that wrong. 
That's not the way a Christian lives. A Christian takes everything in their life and puts it under this umbrella. Is it for God's glory? Is it for my spiritual benefit? Do you know what that means, folks? Being a Christian is a really big deal. (laughs) It's a really big deal. It's a really serious issue. It's not a matter of, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I have a few songs on a Sunday and feel much better and then go away back to my life as it normally is. Being a Christian is a really big deal. But then he says this, look, all things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So, is it a blessing, is it a benefit to me? But no, you know what the word edify means? Well, you can hear it in the English, even in the English. If you look at a building with a grand edifice, you know what that is, doesn't it? It's, a, it's like Durham Cathedral. You know, you go up to Durham Cathedral and it's magnificent the way it's built up. And it's a grand... An edifice, edification means to build up, to construct in an orderly way and a way that's firm and a way that's stable and a way that's secure. It's not like the... The, the three pigs, you know, one's built with straw and one's, one's built with wood and then the other one was built with, and the, the wolf comes along and blows the, the straw down and blows it. The, the, the one that was really built, the edifice, the edification, was the one that was built on the firm foundation with a stone. Paul's saying, listen, when you're thinking about things, and we're going to think about it particularly in great areas of our life, okay, great areas of our life, is this thing that some Christians say is okay, and I don't know whether it is or not, is this activity, is this place, is this relationship, is this, uh, it's particularly about food here, but I'm thinking about it in a broader sense, is this going to be a a glory for God? Is it going to be a blessing for me? And is it going to build me up as a Christian? Is it going to be something that will put my foundations down in Christ? Is it something that's going to bring biblical order into my life is it something that's going to strengthen me as a Christian and he says listen here's the deal when you're thinking about doing something and something that's maybe a grey area ask yourself these questions is it for the glory of God is it for my spiritual blessing is it for my spiritual building up now folks there can be activities that can be One thing at one time and another thing at another time. Let me give you an illustration. When I was a student down in Ayr, the the college I was in had a cricket team. Now, Scots don't like cricket, traditionally, but this Scot loves cricket, okay? And I loved to play for the cricket team. And the college I was in had a cricket team. And we played regularly, and I played every week. And is it wrong for a Christian to play cricket? Some, some Christians would say, yes, it is. Well, I didn't feel it was wrong. I, 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 was, I was bodily exercise profit at a little, and I was out in the fresh air bodily exercise, and I was playing cricket, and I was really, really enjoying it, and I even got opportunities to witness, right, okay? And I felt totally free to play cricket. But then, one week I got a call at work to see Jim. The cricket match has been changed. It's not on Wednesday now. It's on Thursday. Guess what? Thursday was prayer meeting night. Thursday was prayer meeting night. And I'm thinking, what do I do now? <laughs> what do I do now? I had no problem playing cricket. 
on a Wednesday. So cricket's not the issue here, right? Okay. The cricket, the issue is the cricket on the Thursday when I should be at the prayer meeting. Guess what I chose? Guess what I chose? You're all saying, ah, you're a good boy, you went to the prayer meeting. I didn't, I went and played cricket. And my conscience was struck. Do you know why? Bowled out first ball. Out for a duck. Nothing to do with it, actually. My conscience was struck. Because I knew that on Lord's Day, when I went to the, the assembly, the old brother would sit beside me and say, Miss you on Thursday, Jim. Where were you? Oh, I was playing cricket. He never rebuked me. He didn't have to rebuke me, right? Can you see how the activity in one context was okay, but in another context, when there was something else I should have been involved in for the glory of God, for my edification and my, my benefit, it wasn't okay. So you see, there are grey areas in our Christian life that we have to be spiritually sensitive about. So here we're guiding, we don't have to eat meat offered to idols. Here's we facing everyday part of our life and we're saying, Lord, What's my priority here? My priority is to glorify you. Does this glorify you? Relationship, does this glorify you? This activity, does this glorify you? This uh, book, does that glorify you? Lord, does this spiritually benefit my life? There is an argument that says there's nothing neutral in the world, folks. There is an argument that says that. The whole world lies in the lap of the what, the wicked one. The world's systems are just designed to hold people from coming to Christ. And once you come to Christ, the, the, the whole world is designed to, to, to draw you away from Christ. Hence, Deduzzi's ministry last week, eh? You know? Because the devil wants you not to be serious about your Christian life, not to be serious about glorifying God, not to prioritise your spiritual welfare. He wants you to, to eat at the table of the world. And we were talking about this last week. This here says, when we break bread together, we're saying to each other and take a single cup, we're saying, we're united in the fact that we are living for the glory of God. That's what we're saying. We've been bought with a price and we're eating a single loaf and we're drinking a single cup and saying, we're in this together. We're in this together. But the devil doesn't want that. So, so he says this, you know, all things are lawful, not all things are expedient. All things are lawful, but not all things edify up. And then he says this, you have another consideration as well. You have another consideration, which is a legitimate Christian consideration. Look what he says. Not how is it going to affect you. How is it going to affect another Christian? Look what he says. Let no man seek his own things, or his own interests, or his own blessing but every man another's wealth in the, new, in the authorised version it means welfare in other words how is this going to affect my other brothers and sisters is this going to build them up is this going to be a blessing to them or is this going to we've, we've had this argument before haven't we in 1 Corinthians 8 is this going to damage them are they going to see me doing this and is it going to spiritually compromise them or is it going to spiritually put them back or is it spiritually going to handicap them and he's saying listen you might judge something to be legitimate and good for you but another Christian is going to think mm, that's, that, that's, that's going to damage me who's, who's, whose interests are you going to put first 
I can, my conscience is clear. I don't care about them. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, seek the other's welfare first before you. Look at your Christian brothers and sisters and say, not only is this a blessing to me and build me up, but is this going to bless them and build them up or is it going to tear them down and damage them? Can you see the principles that have to dictate how we look at the grey areas? The, the, the opposite side of that, folks, is legalism, right? Where somebody says, what you're doing is damaging me. Did you say I don't like the colour of your glasses? Glasses like that are unspiritual. Change your glasses right away for my benefit, Right? That's legalism, isn't it? When you take your preference and, and, and impose it on somebody else and say, unless you do this, you, you're, you're not spiritual and you're not helping me. That's legalism. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about being legal. Folks, legal Christian life is an easy life. Isn't it? Just draw up your list of do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't go to the pictures. Don't have, don't go with many women. Listen, I had a collie dog that didn't smoke, drink and go to the pictures. But he wasn't a Christian. Followed all the rules, right? You could have followed my dog around for years and you would have not found one bit of, you know, immorality in his life. You wouldn't have found him smoking and drinking. And But he was not a Christian. Legality is not Christianity, folks. Legality, as a matter of fact, often legality, sadly in my life I've discovered it's a cover-up for many things. It's a cover-up for many things. So Paul's not saying, just let somebody else impose their standard on you. What he's saying is, genuinely seek the welfare of other Christians. And don't compromise the spiritual welfare of other Christians by doing something that you feel free to do. We've got, we've got liberty to decide these things, folks. There's a bit of laxity. I don't mean laxity in terms of carelessness. I just mean there's a bit of scope in being able to look at something and make a spiritual decision about it. And it takes a spiritual mind to make a spiritual decision about a particular circumstance. And you know what we shouldn't be afraid to do? We shouldn't be afraid to talk to each other about these things. We must not impose our standard or our legality on somebody else but we must adopt a spirit of looking after everybody's welfare before ours. Isn't it? When I was a boy, we sung choruses in Sunday school, and G-O-Y, G-O-Y, this is what it means. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. And it was just a kind of wee spiritual, I nearly said nursery rhyme, but you know what I mean, a wee spiritual quip that helped me understand that the glory of God was first, my spiritual benefit also was important. But before me came you. And came you. And came you. And your spiritual growth was more important than my spiritual growth. Although my spiritual growth is important. If I can benefit you with not doing something for myself, I'll do it for you. I'll... Folks, who's the greatest example? Eh? That put others first. We don't even need to... We know who it is, it's the Lord Jesus. That's why Paul said, listen, be followers of me, even as I am of also of Christ. Paul said, let's keep him. He is our object, he is the subject, he is our aim, he is our example. He's everything, folks. Is that right? 
He's got to be. He's everything. He's got to be everything in a Monday morning the same as he is on a Sunday morning. He's got to be everything on a Tuesday afternoon the same as he is when we're meeting to study the scriptures on a Thursday night. He's got to be everything when we're at work. He's got to be everything when we're playing golf. He's got to be everything all the time. Be you followers of me even as I also are Christ. So what happens if you go to the you go to the the shambles and there's food on sale? Do you start having an inquisition about the details of where it came from? You know, there's Christians that love to go nosing about looking for trouble. Isn't that right? They love to look for a fault. They love to find a wee chink in your armour. They love to just try and find something that just isn't right and they start to nose about. They start to nose about. Paul says, listen, don't ask any questions. Just go to the market, buy the food and eat it and be fine. It's fine. It's no big deal. Why? Because we know that idols are what? Idols are nothing. Isn't that right? Idols are nothing. They're just offering food to a bit of wood or stone and what does that mean? It means nothing because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Isn't that right? The Lord's given us all things liberally to enjoy. So don't ask any questions. Don't ask any So we're getting all anxious. You know, can I go to McDonald's now because the burgers are, the, are all halal now? Big deal. Right? Big deal. It's not a big deal. Don't ask a question. Just be thankful to the Lord that you've got something. Do you know actually what the, the you know what Paul says to Timothy? Paul, Paul says to Timothy, our food is what? Sanctified by the word of God and what? And prayer. That's why it's really important for Christians to give thanks for their food. And we do, don't we? I mean, it was interesting yesterday. Chelsea was sitting opposite us in Costa Coffee. And as soon as we had given thanks for a refreshment, she smiled at me. And when I went over to her, she, she says, I saw you praying for your food. Right? Okay. Now, that's a testimony aspect of it. But we should, when we give thanks to God, sanctify the, the, the food that we've got with the word of God in prayer, shouldn't we, really? So he says, listen, when you go, don't ask questions. But what if, what if an unbeliever asks you to have a meal with them? And you just go in and you've no idea where the food comes from. What do you do? Do you ask them now the question, excuse me, where did you buy this? Where did you buy this? Where did you buy your chicken? Eh? Did you go to Lidl or Aldi? <laughs> See, Lidl's spiritual, but Aldi's not. Don't, don't, don't be asking questions like that. Where did you get this? Where did you get that? No, just, just sit down, be thankful and eat. Right? But here's an unbeliever that invites you in and says, listen, do you know what I've done? I've brought a wee bit of the sacrifice for the idol temple. And me and you can sit and enjoy this. This, this bit of food is part of the sacrifice. Ah, oh, now wait a minute here. That's a different issue altogether, isn't it? You don't ask a question for conscience sake. But if somebody volunteers the information and you're given the information, now that changes everything, doesn't it? You say, no, 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 I, 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 can't, I can't do that. There's, I'm, I'm trying to think of practical examples. See the banks, right? I don't know who you bank with, right? But there's a bank just recently said, that if you don't support this, feel free to take your money somewhere else. Right, okay? Now, I had no idea they were like that, and I don't have money any money with them, but you don't know what your bank's supporting, do you? So don't ask questions. But if they come to you and say, do you know what I'm going to use your money for? 
I'm going to use your money for this. You can say, excuse me, I don't want any part of that. I'm off. But what if another Christian comes and says to you, I want you to live by my conscience. I want to make my rule and I want you to live by my rule. What do you do then? Eh? That's not Christian liberty. That's legality. I think when you come to the meeting, you should wear a tie. Right? Andrew, you're at fellowship. Right away. And you as well, boy. That's legality. That's legality, folks, isn't it? That's not Christian liberty. Christian liberty says, if you want to wear a tie at the meeting, wear a tie at the meeting. If you don't wear a tie at the meeting, it's no big deal. That's only a, a kind of stupid example of it. So, so we don't look externally at people and judge people externally like that. We're doing things for the glory of God, for the spiritual benefit and blessing of each other. That's the big deal, isn't it? And so he, we don't have time to do it. He goes down all this and he says, therefore, whether you eat or drink, in other words, whether you choose to partake of the food or you choose not to partake of the food, make sure the reason is the glory of God. Make sure the reason you've made the decision was for the glory of God. Not because of somebody else's legality, but you know it's for your blessing and the blessing of everybody else that you know about round about you. And he says, so listen, don't just do as I say, do as I do. Be followers of me, even as I am of Christ. It's a great temptation just to say to folks, don't do as I, don't do, as I do, do as I say. Isn't that right? Paul says, no. Follow my example because I'm following Christ's example. As I thought about that last night, I thought, we're all an example to somebody, aren't we? Somebody's watching you. Somebody is. Maybe your neighbour, maybe your family, maybe your workmate, maybe your children. Maybe somebody's watching you. And because you say you're a Christian, they're looking at you and saying, okay, I want to see if you're following Christ. But there's other Christians watching you as well. Isn't that right? I can think of men and women, actually probably more women, whose example taught me more about godliness than I ever read in a book or heard in a sermon. Who have followed their Christian godly example because I knew they were following Christ. And we are all an example to somebody. It's a big challenge, isn't it? Big challenge this week. That somebody's watching you and saying, I'm going to follow that example as a Christian thing. Sorry, folks, if I've been a bit rambly this morning, but it just struck me that being a Christian's a big deal. It's a real big deal. We've minimised it and we've, we've become performers and entertainers and we've become lifestyle uh, uh, gurus. But being a Christian's a really big deal. It's to live for the glory of God. Live for the blessing and upbuilding of myself and others. And most, more than anything else, to follow Christ. And to follow Christians that follow Christ. I remember a man called Peter Brandon. Godliest man I ever knew. And I still aspire to pray like Peter prayed. I heard him pray, I watched him pray, and I thought, Lord, I want to pray like that man. 
Why? Because he was the man nearest to Christ that I've ever met. Somebody's watching us. May we be a good example. And may we set our heart to glorify the Lord. Sorry, folks, let's pray. Lord, your word bursts with challenge and bursts with truth. And we find our capacity to take it in so limited. So, Lord, just hear us as we pray this morning. As you know our heart before you, you know really what motivates us. You know really whether it's our glory or yours we're after. You know whether it's really spiritual blessing we're after or just getting to heaven by the skin of our teeth. We just pray that you'll make us real Christians, Lord. Christians that live in a way that really makes a difference and that matters for your glory and for eternity. So bless us, Lord. We're thankful for our time together in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Please excuse Janet and I as we rush down to put the barbecue on. Please, if you're following us down, please come down to where we are. Jews will tell you where we are. Uh, and as I say, if you could cash here, that'll help me. We've got a really grumpy neighbour. So if we park in the wrong place, we'll come and, he'll come and knock the door down. Won't he, John? <laughs> They've experienced <laughs>